the foundation that we built really allowed us to scale this year really quickly. We've been through all the load test dynamics that you go through at Holiday. We've built the technology stack that can support the traffic that we knew that we were going to get. We've been through the trials and tribulations of how to test, what to test, where to find the failure modes. And we've got really talented people that work on that stuff every day. And as you think about what happened last year, specifically with curbside, it is the example of it took us four years to become an overnight success. By now, we know that the online buying experience is always evolving. So it's table stakes for companies to be on their toes and ready to adjust when the market tells them to especially when the company we are chatting with today was founded in 1948. But being prepared to adjust and actually making it happen are two very different things. At Dick's Sporting Goods, its customers, who are referred to as athletes, are truly running the show. And Scott Casiato, who serves as the VP of Omnichannel Fulfillment and Athlete Services at Dick's, is a man who takes their needs and delivers a seamless experience to them via Dick's e-commerce platform and throughout their 700 retail locations. And with their e-commerce sales increasing by 100% in 2020, Scott and his team have had to rethink many things, like how to scale up operations during peak seasons, why testing every iteration on the website is key, how to perfect the buy online, pick up in store experience, and determine how to take their athletes' feedback and transform it into a funnel for change. This episode brought back a lot of nostalgia for me, thinking about the days of wandering the aisles of Dick's in my high school years, looking for a new lacrosse stick or soccer shoes. So it was really fun to hear about how much has changed and what investments the company has been making lately in creating the best customer experience possible for its athletes. Also tune in to the end to hear Scott discuss the importance of great vendor relationships, how to future-proof logistics, and the new in-store experiences that Dix is betting big on. Enjoy. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. It's amazing. It's great. You will learn a lot of good things. Go subscribe. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide and we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Everyone and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at Mission.org. Today on the show, we have Scott Cassiato, the Vice President of Omni Channel Fulfillment and Athlete Services at Dick's Sporting Goods. Scott, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to have you. So I have this deep love of Dick's Sporting Goods because there was a location in my hometown, Eastern Shore of Maryland, which I feel like no one even knows where that is on a map. But back in high school, I would go almost every week and just kind of like peruse through the aisles and look for new lacrosse sticks and shoes. And 
I didn't really have much money, but I remember just like loving the experience and being there probably for three hours with friends, just kind of like hanging out. So I was so excited when I saw you guys on the lineup where I was like, yes, something I know well. Was that your sport growing up, lacrosse? Lacrosse and soccer. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's great. But deep love there. So I'd love to hear a bit about how you got into this industry because you had a funny quote where you said, I don't know how I really ended up here. And I'd love to yeah. start there of like, how did you become the vice president of omni-channel fulfillment and athlete services at Dick's Sporting Good? I, I spent the early part of my career in uh, software, like supply chain software, and um, kind of even on the sales side, then moved into the operational side, and then got into management consulting and did a tour of duty uh, in the management consulting ranks. And I got introduced to the founder and co-founder of, of a company called ModCloth that I was with previously. And uh, they were looking for somebody to run fulfillment and customer service. And, you know, it was like, I just said, you know, I mean, I know supply chain, but I don't really know anything about direct consumer fulfillment at the time. Mm-hmm. And the founder of that business was like, yeah, I know, but you're smart enough to figure it out. So, and, and I, I, I just have, I have a bent for really high growth, high speed businesses. And um, it just kind of the way I grew up in my career. And that was a really great opportunity. So I did that. And um, I spent five years there scaling that business uh, really significantly, like hyper growth phase. And um, it was awesome. I learned a ton about fulfillment and, and service. And then um, about five years in, I had this great opportunity to come to Dick's. And the real the thing that was really interesting to me is, is you know, the question was, how can we build a great service organization for Dick's Sporting Goods? I'm like, wow, if I could do it at a much smaller company, what would it be like to come to a, such a great brand and, and try to do it here? And we did, right? And so we, you know, spent a lot of time building that for the first four years of my time at Dick's and then had an opportunity to take fulfillment on. So it's, uh, it's interesting that I have some of the aspects of that, that previous role that I had only, you know, a scale that is much larger and uh, just been very, very fortunate to be with such a great business. And uh, it's just been, it's been awesome. Okay. So you are leaving ModCloth. I mean, that's like strictly e-commerce. And then you're coming to this, I would say very omni-channel company. I mean, you have over 700 locations across the U.S. quickly moving to digital, at least over the past couple of years. Tell me a bit about what that transition was like. Yeah. I mean, and at the same time, we were really building, um, we were just starting our transformation uh, to building our own technology. So it was a massive, it was basically like built rebuilding what we had already had for from an e-commerce business uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think fundamentally, a lot of the things that I came in and the tools that I had were, were relevant, right? Like how do you scale a business? I mean, that, that stuff is somewhat the same. I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest changes was, um, or a few of them were, one, just having more teammates that, that knew a lot of stuff that could really help and, and drive the, the initiatives and the, and the progress forward. Whereas like in a much smaller company, right? It's like you're wearing so many different hats and you're doing yeah. so many different things here. It was, it was a shock to me to say like, oh, we, there's somebody that can help with reporting or data analytics and help us with these answers. So that was awesome. And then I just think we were all learning, right? So we were learning what we needed. We were learning what we wanted to, to be um, in customer service. We were learning what we wanted to have in terms of digital capabilities. We were learning how to run that business as we were deploying new technology, right? So how do you do pricing online appropriately? I remember a lot of conversation. How do you display things? How do you check? What's the right checkout flow? Can we, you know, and then we had, as all businesses do, you have to make a lot of trade-offs because it's like, it may not be the most elegant thing right at the beginning, but we just got to get it up and running, right? And so having those conversations uh, can be tough, right? Like it's everybody, and especially our business, we just have this DNA where we just relentlessly improve, right? And Mm -hmm. so 
it's tough to, to launch something and know that it's not the perfect solution. Right. And then yep. making sure that you go back and you, and you iterate and you keep going. Right. So that was, we just did that for a long time, but it was a lot of fun. It was really tiring, but it was a lot of fun. So that's amazing. What was one of the maybe projects or things that you felt most strongly about that you got maybe the most pushback on that people are like, Nope, that's not a good idea. Well, we had a lot of, we had a lot of conversation about how we were going to set up, for example, in my world, we were going to set up customer service and we continue to evolve that. I think it wasn't that people were saying it's not how we want to do it. I think it were, it was really more like what I was saying about, we want to own more of that customer service experience, right? Like, so we had always been outsourced and they did, and our previous outsourcer did a great job. And as, as we moved to the, to the next wave of that evolution, we decided like, we really need to keep an outsourced view uh, in some form or fashion of uh, customer service, but we really wanted to try to start to build our own, right? Because we were like, wonder what we could do on our, on our own. So this, this conversation about, gee, how do you scale for the hockey stick effect that we have at holiday, right? Mm -hmm. While maintaining um, the great experience that we have and we want to insource, but do we want to scale at holiday? We just had a lot of, a lot of spirited debate about that. Mm -hmm. So that, that was part of that conversation. Very cool. And so are you guys kind of now a balanced approach when it comes to customer service, depending on, you know, what, what's incoming and how to route it? Exactly. Right. So we have uh, a team of internal service people that, you know, take various types of contacts. And then we have uh, a few outsourced partners that work, we work extremely closely with, and we balance the volume across there. And then at holiday time, you know, we, we scale up across all mm -hmm. and we're measuring that, that experience relentlessly. Um, so it's been, it's been a great symbiotic relationship, I think, across all three of those. Yeah. Well, now, now that you've touched on holiday, I do kind of want to go into peak season and maybe talking about, I mean, you mentioned that you went through this big um, like technology evolution and implementing new things to try and get to where you are now. Like, what did that look like, especially when it comes to preparing for big surges? I mean, I saw your e-commerce, yeah. I think like double or it went up like 100% in 2020 or something. So you guys have had massive yeah. growth. Like, what did it look like behind the scenes to prepare for that plus peak demand? Yeah, I think it's been, um, we're very happy that we started when we did. When you think about what happened uh, over the past 12 months and what has happened in the e-commerce world and the growth that everybody has seen, we're fortunate that we started four years ago down mm -hmm. this path because the foundation that we built really allowed us to scale this year really quickly. We've, we've been through all the load test dynamics that you go through at Holiday. We've built... Um, the technology stack that can support the traffic that we knew that we were going to get. We've been through the trials and tribulations of how to test, what to test, where to find the failure modes. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got really talented people that work on that stuff every day. We've built controls internally to manage where things might not be working appropriately and to be able to, to balance that. And like, as you think about what happened last year, specifically with curbside, it is, it is the example of, you know, it took us four years to become an overnight success type of situation. As with most people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Overnight you success know, is uh, not a thing. Who knew? Totally. So I think it was uh, scaling for holiday. We scale every year for holiday. I think last year was, was um, one that we didn't quite know. Like nobody knew yeah. what was really going to happen, but I think we over-prepared and we executed an extremely successful holiday because we, it was so great to see everybody so engaged in, in solving that that challenge and really thinking through every aspect of what might happen at holiday from fulfillment through the the web traffic through customer service. I mean, we really came together as a team and and figured out 
all the ways that things could go right and wrong and covered, covered it all. And we had a great holiday season because of it. That's great. So what areas do you think businesses are maybe underprepared? Is it in the fulfillment piece? It is, is it in like customer service? Like what are some of the top pillars that you guys cover down on that maybe some people might not be fully prepared for? I think that we do a great job measuring and really paying attention to the athlete experience across all measures. We've pivoted from, I think historically, and most businesses have been in a place where you manage internally, right? You're managing things like conversion or traffic or speed speed to athlete and things like that and and, um, speed to customer, traditional service levels and customer service. Those are all important. But I think if you take the outside in view, mm-hmm. right? And you're looking at things like, how are we measuring the experience? What's happening to that customer when they're, when they're out there and they're, and they're, they're buying from us, but are they buying from us again, right? As, a, as an articulation of their commitment to the brand. And then how do we influence that purchase behavior? Um, and how do you think expansively about that in terms of not only the, the shopping experience online that they have, but the post-purchase, uh, the delivery experience, the customer service experience, like how are you really measuring that data and getting good information and causal information to figure out how you can you can drive really great lifetime value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we do that, and we're really starting to do that really well across our business. We've gotten so much support for that outside in view across our leadership team as well um, that it's, it's become a real engine um, of thinking across our teams. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that holistic view is really hard for a lot of companies to get to, though. I mean, I hear about... Yeah. A lot of companies trying to consolidate their tech stack, marketing stack, put it all in you know one area that things actually are connected, and you can have attribution and you can see the LTV. Like, how do you guys think about you know having that view that allows you to make decisions? I mean, I think that it's philosophical at some level, and don't get me wrong, it's hard because I think when you look at when you look at the business on a day to day basis, all retailers, right, especially those that are public, are, are driving towards you know hard goals. Um, we take a much longer term view of things generally across the business, which is really refreshing and great. Um, And so it allows us to really make good decisions. When you think about what we're measuring, how we're investing, I mean, obviously we care about the quarter and we care about the year, right? Don't get me wrong, but I think we're making investments that are in the long-term interest of this brand and our, and our, and our customers. I think, you know, we're a really large small business in that regard. And I think we've, we've been able to energize our teammates to deliver that experience on the front line, but also make the investments on the, on the, on the back end of the house that allow us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I see you guys have been making some big tech investments. I saw, I think commerce hub, you did a multi-year deal with them. And I saw something about the vendor partner program that you have, where you can kind of like plug and play into a bunch of vendors and have an endless aisle. And I was like, wow, that could be game changing to be able to pivot quickly and offer, you know, like get to the consumer, right wherever they are, whatever they need, especially in times right now where it's like very uncertain. So it seems like tech is a big piece of that towards that yeah. investment philosophy right now. Like how are it you is. figuring out what you need and how to put in place, like how to put the proper pieces in place? Yeah, I think we, you know, we, we have over 500 vendors in our, in our dropship program um, mm-hmm. and connecting to them and, and understanding what the inventory is and getting them um, to send us the right inventory and then order information back and forth in real time is, is incredibly important, which is why we made the investment. And Commerce Hub has been a great partner for us for a few years now, and it's easy to use. That, that was great for that aspect of our business. I think our vendor relationships are super strong, and we're fortunate that we have them because it allows us to be really creative in the way that we go to market. And I think we're also continuing to, to build great brands internally. 
Right. Yeah. And so if you think about, um, we just recently launched our Verse brand um, and it's been a, a great success so far. It's great, great stuff. Um, we have got our Kalia line. If you haven't tried it, you should. Um, it's Ooh, it's awesome. Um, it's a partnership that we did uh, with Carrie Underwood about six years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's quickly become our number two selling women's line. Wow. And then That's we awesome. launched uh, our DSG brand a few years ago or a year and a half ago, which is really a, a value driven brand and with very high quality. When you think about the continuum of our brands, we have very specific and different strategies and they're, and they're complex depending on what we're trying to achieve within a given brand or category within that brand. Um, but I think we're fortunate that we've built such great lasting relationships because again, I think it gets back to, we take, we take a longer term view of things. Um, and we really, I think we treat our vendors as partners. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So key, especially in this industry where so much is happening, so much is changing quick and people can get burned really quickly too. Right. Right. It also seems like being able to plug into a vendor system like that is important, especially around like, it seems like a lot of companies are doing private label type of things and launching their own brands. I mean, it's not like fully reliant now on the big brands and being able to have that flexibility to, you know, pull people into your ecosystem that maybe could have never oh. sold at a Dick Sporting Good before. Like that seems amazing and really allows access in a way that like wasn't here maybe five years ago. It really does. And we're, we're always looking for those bets to make. Um, mm-hmm. with new and up, up and coming brands. Um, yeah. and, and, and our vendor director dropship channel is a great way to, to sort of test some of these things. So that's definitely, you're, you hit the nail on the head for us. We've, it's, it's a strategy that we actively have. And it's nice because my team who manages that part of our business um, will work with our merchants um, to say, what, what could our strategy be with supplier or, or partner X, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of these folks are, are small businesses that can't handle our volume. So like there's, if we buy a little bit more, we can test some of them or we can test it in the vendor direct channel. So it's, it's been, been a real tool for us. Yeah. Testing is interesting too. I could see kind of like doing, you know, AB test quickly and see if people like this product and if they like this one more, okay, here's where we're going to go. Maybe we'll circle back yeah. with you next year and like a much yeah. Um, yeah, less risky way to bring people in. We've gotten really, um, really good at testing and specifically on the site with how we're thinking about the experience online. Um, we test, we test almost everything these days, right? I mean, there's some stuff that I think is just go do things, some go do things that we do. But I think generally speaking, we've really developed a muscle around um, building an experience and testing it and, and iterating on it to figure out what's really resonating with the athlete most. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything from shopping experiences on our, on our site all the way down through the, the conversion funnel to, um, to fulfillment, right? And, and speed and how we're communicating with our athletes. So I think... Um, we're, we've learned so much, so much. And I'm, I'm like constantly reminded when we get these, like we all kind of make bets, right. When, when we, mm-hmm. when we launch these tests, like what do you think is going to happen? And I think I'm wrong so often. <laughs> like, so it's just, it's so important to test. And even, even when you think about surveys, I think there's, there's like this, like everybody lies concept, yeah. right. Yep. Um, or it depends what head state they're in or like where they're yeah. at in the day. Right. Right. So I think it's just so invaluable to us. Yeah, we do surveys on the show sometimes just to see like, who do you want on? And like, how am I doing? And it's like, whoa, like depends on like probably where that person is, you know, if they're happy, if they're sad, like could be different depending on, you know, the place that they're in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what's a, what's an example of a test that you ran where you were like, so sure you're like, this one's going to win. Like everyone was kind of on board with, you know, one scenario winning and then the results come back and everyone's wrong. That's a good question. We just ran one recently that I did win on, which is the one that was uh, top of mind for me coming into this. Uh, let me talk about that one for a second. Yeah. So that the um, 
the one we launched on same day, we're trying to figure out what, what our, our athletes appetite is for same day services. And, um, you know, we, we did definitely get a lot of engagement on the test. I thought it was going to be more than it was, but it's still, you know, it was still interesting. Right. So I think that's something that we're going to continue to have conversation on. So they wanted it like the majority of, yeah, the, I think they, they did. It wasn't, it. it wasn't as much as I, as I would have thought. Mm, yeah. Cause that's like an interesting one that some people on the show have said, people just want to know when it's getting there. They're okay. If it's not right. same day versus if it's more of like a commodity product, you better get it to them same day. And so yeah. it kind of seems like it depends what it is and how much delayed gratification someone can have on it. Or if, you know, it, yeah. it, it depends, it seems. Yeah. Oh, the one, some of the, some of the tests that I think that we've run that have been um, less uh, intuitive. I just think how, how products are set up on the site and how people search, right. Mm-hmm. And find, and find products. Like you would think that sometimes when you put the, the, the best or most visible sort of notable product at the top of search results, like that's going to, that's going to create a, a better conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, people come in, I think with a lot of intent around how they're shopping and sometimes what you think is going to happen just doesn't because I think, you know, there's so many different ways that people shop. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. How do you think about shifting the website either, you know, from what you learned from like last year or when you're approaching peak season, like are there certain key elements that you adjust knowing that maybe the consumer's in a very different mindset than they were, you know, at any other time in history probably? I can speak more to uh, the way that we think about fulfillment in this regard. I historically thought that during, for example, Black Friday weekend, speed was really important, right? Like I need it. I want to get it fast. And it turns out that weekend in particular, speed is not the most important. Getting what you want is the most important, Yep. right? So getting the deal is the most important. Like I think it makes sense because most people are thinking, you know, I've got three or four weeks that this thing can get to me. I'm not super Mm -hmm. concerned to get it next week. I just want to make sure that I get it, right? So that's one that we adjust in terms of making sure that we're really being honest with how we're going to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, we've got an extraordinarily resilient fulfillment network and we do really well in speed. But I was historically had been surprised as we've really measured that one over, over Black Friday weekend. Yeah. It's really about getting the deal, not the speed. Versus Christmas, when everyone's probably last minute shopping, it's probably Very opposite. Different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very different. And as, as you know, as you get closer to, as you get into December and you get through the, towards the ground cutoffs and you get, you know, depending on what's happening, the speed becomes a real issue. And, you know, last year, last year was nuts. I mean, FedEx yeah. was running commercials, right. Yep. That, that talked about the speed or, you know, buy early. And, and uh, we definitely saw a little bit of a little bit of a shift in terms of like how people were thinking about buying. Mm-hmm. So how are you building up that resilient 
fulfillment network that you mentioned to be able to, you know, basically say, I can offer anyone, you know, the endless aisle. We have unlimited yeah. of these in one moment and then be like, okay, now next month, got to go, got to be there in, you know, three days or less type of scenario. I think you mentioned it when we kicked off the show. It was, um, you know, we've got over 700 fulfillment locations when you think about our store network, which is a blessing for us mm -hmm. because it allows us to really not only be closer to our athlete and get things there faster, but also allows for a lot of flexibility when, you know, it's just load balancing, right? Like when you think yeah. about a business that has a couple, three in my, in my past one fulfillment center, mm -hmm. you know, when that thing gets backed up or you have um, a labor problem or you have, you know, whatever the case may be, trucks that don't show up on the, on the receiving dock or the, or the outgoing dock, you're kind of backed up, right? And so while that definitely happens across everybody's network, including ours, having all of these different nodes that, that are that are moving product out each and every day really helps mitigate the risk. And so it also helps us, you know, at peak time, it helps us staff up and get stuff out. And we have, we have a, we've built a really sophisticated way to manage the way that orders are routing. So we're able to, to identify where we might have um, congestion points, for example, and try to proactively um, avoid those as mm -hmm. we see those things happening, right? So we can move orders to one node or another or block a node. Um, if we've got well weather issue or something, or we've got, you know, in the fall when you have hurricanes in, in you know, Florida, right. Or, or, um, in the Southeast, we're able to, to really, um, change the way that our orders route to get product wow. out of different places that aren't, aren't having those issues. And is that kind of done in the background where, you know, it's looking at all these different inputs and then kind of making decisions that you can come in and, you know, adjust if you need to, but it's already routing yeah. it for you in the background. Part of it's automated, part of it's people, right. Mm -hmm. And it's still a lot of people, right. Yeah. Watching, watching the switches each day, but yeah, we've got a great team of people that um, are communicating. We're communicating out of our stores to, to, to my team in fulfillment. We're communicating from my team into stores um, and we're using the technology that we've built to really manage the capacity um, and the inventory across the entire network. It seems like that'd be so important too. When you essentially have like two business units, when it comes to fulfillment, you've got your store locations with one set of data. Inventory yeah. is probably very hard to track because, you know, it's always getting grabbed. It's always getting shipped out. And then you have just yeah. maybe a fulfillment center. That's, you know, a whole different beast probably. How do you get to that consolidated view? Is that part of the backend tech that's kind of looking at it at a higher level, treating it all as one? It is, and and, it, and it's definitely complex um, for the reasons that you that you noted. And it creates sometimes it, it can compromise how close we can get to the athlete if we think we've got a unit, you know, in Austin, Texas, and we actually don't. Fortunate part is instead of canceling that order on you or that unit on you, it's going to go to maybe it'll go to a Dallas store, mm -hmm. right? And we can still stay pretty close to you and get it to you. And we're also trying to look at things like how do we keep packages together, of course. And anybody that's listening to this that manages freight will will say, yeah, yep really important um, from a cost perspective. And frankly, even from, as I mentioned earlier, that athlete experience, people want to get one box, right? Like I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to order three or four different things and yeah. get three or four different boxes. And sometimes that's unavoidable, but um, we're trying everything we can to not let that happen. Oh, that's a blessing. <laughs> I get totally right. Like, one company, I'm not gonna mention their name. They will send a can of soup, anything of bone broth. I mean, it's like in these little like bags and they just come one at a time. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just, would have rather just gone to the store and picked it up myself and getting right. random drop-offs of like one item at a time. It's so wonderful when the customer experience need and the business need align. Yeah. Right. So like when you think about nobody wants to ship more packages to you, mm -hmm. right? Like they, we want to get it to you. We want to get to you fast and we want to get it to you in one package. And that's also a great experience for you. 
it's the same thing we talk about with, with customer service, which is a traditional metric that people manage is average handle time, right? Like how long are you on the phone? And I'm so careful. We collectively are so careful with this metric because it can be so disastrous to the teammate that's on the other end of the phone. If they think they're being managed to a, to a handle time, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't want to just get you off the phone. Yeah. However, and you need to use it for all kinds of different scheduling and, you know, making sure you have enough people on the team. But what's really aligned is generally people want to get to an answer pretty quickly also, right? Like I want to, I want to have an efficient, valuable use of my time. I want to get to an answer and then I want to move on with my day. And so that's another example of where if we can do it right and align those desires, we're going to create an awesome experience. For yeah. The unintended consequences pieces is such a tricky thing when thinking about designing roles and KPIs. I mean, I'm doing it right now yeah. thinking about sales and building a sales team and being like, oh, wait, this might incentivize bad behavior. You got to really think about it, right? Yeah. You have to think really strategically about it. Yeah. The, the outcome or the impact is very different than the intent in some mm-hmm. cases. Yep. So are there any external inputs right now that you think companies aren't preparing for? I'm thinking about the algorithms that are kind of running everything behind the scenes when it comes to your fulfillment and things like that. Is there anything that you guys are watching now that maybe you weren't watching a couple of years ago? And letting it help influence how things are routed or how things are kind of being, you know, redirected. Anything around there? Yeah, I mean, I think we're 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 constantly trying to get to be more precise, you know. And we have the fortunate, we're very fortunate that if if everything goes right, we can get we can get you an order really really quickly. So we're we're really trying to pay attention to where are things not going perfectly. And we've called this thing like the perfect order, like what's our perfect order, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we how do we get more of those? So we're spending a lot of time thinking about how we can perfect our, our fulfillment network. And I mean, it is, as you can imagine, just an infinite number of variables that that, yeah. indi- that dictate how this thing goes. But we're working a lot on that. Are you pay t- paying attention to like local stuff? Because that's one thing that kind of came to mind. I'm like, you're paying attention to weather and, you know, higher level things. Are you like down in the weeds of like, okay, well, there's a festival this week here. So that means like, is it that, you know, in the week? It can be. I mean, yeah. you know, our, for example, when we, um, when we're doing a hot market event, so Super Bowl, NCAA tournament, they're national events, but they're, the inventory is largely local, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we're really paying attention to what the traffic is doing and the inventory is doing at those, at those local levels for sure. Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about events a bit because I know that's, you know, a focus is the athlete experience online and in person as well. And I saw that you guys are opening more retail locations. You're opening, I think I saw like a golf center, a soccer center. I mean, these like full on experiences. And I'd love to hear how you guys are thinking about that. Yeah. um, I'm glad you mentioned it. We're really proud. We just opened uh, recently the house of sport up in Victor, New York, Mm -hmm. which is an expression of what we think the future can be uh, for Dick's sporting goods. And it's really an experiential retail location. So we, you know, you can go in there, you can, Obviously, we've got golf simulators and we've got fitting in there. We've got rock walls to climb. We've got an outdoor fitness uh, field where we're, we're doing things uh, and we're engaging the community in different ways. So we're running clinics and, and figuring out how we can get local teams into there. It, you know, engaging in the, in the community in this way has been like a part of our brand since 1948. Right. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you read the story of Dick's and, and how we've we were involved in the in the Binghamton, New York community when the business was founded it'll give you a sense for why this is important to us. And, you know, we just believe that we have, we say it all the time. We believe that sports makes people better. So how do we think about engaging in the community where, where, we, where we're at? We've done this forever in, in community marketing and you see, you know, how we donate um, equipment to local teams and so forth. This is kind of another evolution of that where um, 
we think we can make a big impact. We can change the way that people think about retail. You know, it'll it'll quickly get to how do we how do we merge the online and the and the brick and mortar uh, or traditional retail experience. So I think that's that's a place that is really exciting to us right now. Yeah, I was just thinking about like how do you create um, yeah like a view where you know this person came in to this event and they were you know using the golf simulator and they really liked this club. And then they either bought in store or maybe, you know, four weeks later, they ended up online and bought the one that they were using. Do you feel yeah. like you're moving in a direction where you're going to have that viewpoint? And if so, yeah, how, how did you get there? <laughs> we're getting there. I think um, we're really focused on data and analytics, right? And so I think our ability to stitch together these experiences, we're building that muscle. I don't think that we're totally there yet, um, but we've got really smart people that are, that are thinking about this. And I think we're moving in that direction because that that's the key. We're not really worried about what channel you buy in, mm-hmm. right? I think it's more about, are we the retailer of choice for you, yeah. right? And however that experience, that the best experience that we can build for that, it's important to measure because then I think it unlocks the investment in the targeted areas that are going to drive more of that for our, our athletes. So I think that's where we're really focused. Yeah. Have you thought about creating essentially like kind of like a guide shop, but you have like, you know, the soccer experience or something, and then just a small shop where maybe you can look at a few other things, but then essentially you're going back online to order whatever you played with and got to experiment with, or are you doing full on like retail location as always? And then off, you know, off in this area, we're doing our experience center. Yeah. We haven't done really like pop-up experiences, like, like guide shop experiences like that. We're moving more towards how do we create a, a more scaled experiential experience um, in store? And then, you know, how do we measure that in terms of who might go online to buy? Mm-hmm. Love that. I'm excited to see. I need to visit one of those stores, especially the soccer yeah. one. I mean, yeah. I don't know what's going to be yeah. happening there, but I want to be there. So the next one I want to hear, which I feel like you'll have a great answer for is what are you all most excited about right now over the next yeah. one to two years? What are you most yeah. passionate about? Yeah, we're uh, we're excited about a lot of things. And as, as usual, we have a very full plate. So I think, you know, Things that we've already deployed that we'll continue to refine, things like our curbside program, our buy online pickup and store program for online. We're really excited about that. That's got a long, that's got a long runway of, mm-hmm. of improvement, enhancement, and creativity that's going to be placed into that program. I'm really excited about the merger of stores and online, specifically around being, you know, becoming a trusted advisor to our, our athletes. So if you think about the breadth of the teammates that we have, and when you walk into our stores or you talk to our people online, everybody's got a passion, right? Your passion is lacrosse and and soccer. Mm -hmm. How do we think about unlocking that potential, right? Um, In terms of then being able to to help our our customer, whether that customer is buying the first pair pair of soccer cleats for their son to getting ready to play club soccer, to getting ready to go off and play soccer at a D1 level or beyond, right? So how do we look at that continuum of expertise and really become that trusted advisor, both online and in our stores. And I think that is an incredibly exciting venture. Um, and we, we do we do it well today. I think there's an opportunity to do it even better. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about that. We're really excited about the assortment, right? That we're going to continue to launch uh, online. I think it's going to be differentiated. I think it's going to keep our position in the market really strong. So I think, you know, the product that we put in there, the expertise that we put in there is going to be differentiated in, in the market. That I think is probably more incremental and more incremental expression to, to the core business. And then we're going to continue to press, you know, Game Changer has been a, has been a great business for us uh, for years. And that team is, is, is great. And they continue to build a technology to service the baseball market. You know, but we're always looking for different ways that we can, you know, expand or innovate. 
across the industry. You know what we need though? We need like, what do you do after college? I always think about that. I'm like, I loved playing sports, but then, you know, you start working and then you have kids and then you're like, I still want to play, but how do I get back into it? And like, yeah, something missing there, Scott. No, like I love So that's another like sort of persona that we really want to like love to serve in our stores because I'm I'm one of them, right? Yeah, you're, I, yeah, you're, right. Like, where are the people? <laughs> where are the people? And and I think um, I think what we want to be able to do. I love talking about this. So I think in in our stores and online, our ability to to listen and inspire, right? Like, how do we help you meet that goal, right? Like, hey, I want I'm doing a couch to five k first time. Like, I'm I'm starting to get active. Or yeah. you know, for me, the five eight guy that always had a dream of an MBA of the NBA that never came to fruition because like my vertical is about that that high. Yeah. You know, so I, like I still play. So how do I, you know, how can I, I want to make sure that I can get all the gear that I need to be competitive, right? Or mm-hmm. um, to achieve my personal best. So I love the fact that we can we can really positively impact, impact people's lives in that way. And I think we want to make, I would love to make sure personally that anybody that walks into our store knows that it's not just, we're not just a sporting goods retailer. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to facilitate you um, achieving your dreams. And then we talk a lot about that internally. So if we can, if we can, translate or transmit that feeling to our athletes. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. It also makes me think about creating custom leagues too, where it's like, this is a different kind of league. It's not, you know, the, like traditional school. It's not even people creating their own volleyball leagues. It's like, the, we are a part of this. We're making sure that yeah. this can happen for people who struggle to even like find those networks. I mean, I know back when I was in DC, I looked for like, hmm, where's some other, you know, women who play lacrosse. I don't really want to play with guys who are going to be like checking me. And right. couldn't find it. Super hard to find. I mean, it's easy to find some sports in like a community setting, but it's very hard to find like You're people right. in you know certain other sports settings. So. You're right. Like there's a, like a there's like a social. I don't want to be careful to say social network, but there is like this idea of how do I plug into yeah. people that are like me within a, a certain geographical area, right? That would be interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Thanks for that need, one. Yeah, take it back to leadership. We just need a parenting kit. It's like here's everything you need so that. Like we can go play our sports and then your kids are entertained. Like they get mini lacrosse sticks, right. you go there right. and then like, I'll go off on my own so idea. I can actually play. <laughs> Give me the kid. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. We're thinking yeah. like such parents, anyone who's not a parent's probably like, what are y'all talking about right now? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's shift over to the lightning round. Lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. So I'm sad I haven't asked this yet and don't know this, but what is your favorite sport? Basketball. Oh, nice. And who's your favorite sports team? It's always been the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since back in the day, which is probably blasphemy because I live in Pittsburgh. So to not say football and the Pittsburgh Steelers was a problem. Um, You're about to get egged. <laughs> probably. But they're close. They're close second. Not good. What is the nicest thing anyone's done for you? I'm going to go to my kids. Um, I think my kids being... This is going to sound so cheesy, but it's so, it's so serious. Like the way that my kids treat other people with respect and kindness, I think is the thing that comes to mind for me first. And mm-hmm. I know that's like probably not the answer that you would normally get. Nope, but I like, like it. To me, that's that's pretty important. So yeah. I'm really proud of them. And I think that's uh, probably the best thing that somebody could do for me. Yeah, I love that. There's so much you can learn from kids. I think mm-hmm. about that all the time. So I'm the person who, who is here for those cheesy kind of kid answers. You're in the right space. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing you don't know that you wish you understood better? American history mm-hmm. comes to mind. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't think that's on, on topic, but that's the first one that comes to mind. When you want to feel more joy, what do you do? 
it's going to sound crazy. Um, I tell people, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. I so I, I just believe that there's um, a lot, I get a lot of energy from um, being grateful. Yep. Right. And so um, that's what I do. Like if I'm really, if I'm really like feeling a little down or if I'm really stressed or, you know, some, sometimes the way that I, I work out and I get the endorphins mood going, like that's mm-hmm. one way to do it. And the other way is to be grateful for, for things. So I feel like that's, that's the way I get a lot of energy. I love that. All right. And then the last one, I mean, it seems like you guys are very much ahead on a lot of things within uh, the ecosystem. What do you do to stay on top of the trends? Are you watching other companies? Are you reading things? Like, what are you doing to stay on top? I think it's, I think it's a combination of experiencing and, and reading. I don't read nearly enough. Like it's hard, right? There's mm-hmm. so much the content that comes out and not enough time. So I'm trying to just experience things out in the wild, right? Yep. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of people, whether it's parents at a game or if it's my own experiences online, I'm trying to translate that to what's happening and, and why companies would, would do things a certain way. And then my team is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, we're trying to stay close. We're trying to stay close that way and certainly reading and engaging in conversations like this uh, oh, also yeah. kind of help. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It was really fun to hear all about what you guys are up to. Where can people find more about Dick Sporting Goods and find you? Yeah, I think um, www.dicksportinggoods.com for the, the store, Public Lands and Golf Galaxy. And you can find me at LinkedIn on LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time. everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnext in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>